0: That was New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, and this is the way that he wrote the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. So they took Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's residence. It was early in the morning. They didn't themselves go inside the residence. They were anxious not to pollute themselves so that they would still be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside and spoke to them. "'What's the charge, then?' he asked. "'What have you got against this fellow?' "'If he wasn't doing wicked things,' they replied, "'we wouldn't have handed him over to you.' "'Take him yourselves,' said Pilate to them, "'and judge him by your own law.' "'We're not allowed to put anyone to death,' replied the Judeans. "'This was so that the word of Jesus might come true "'when he had indicated what sort of death he was going to die.' So Pilate went back into the residence, and he spoke to Jesus. "'Are you the king of the Jews?' he asked. "'Did you think of that?' asked Jesus. "'Or did other people tell you about me?' "'I'm not a Jew, am I?' retorted Pilate. "'Your own people and the chief priests have handed you over to me. "'What have you done?' "'My kingdom isn't the sort that grows in this world,' replied Jesus." If my kingdom were from this world, my supporters would have fought to stop me being handed over to the Judeans, but it's not like that. My kingdom isn't the sort that comes from here. So, said Pilate, you are a king, are you? You're calling me a king, replied Jesus. I was born for this. I've come into the world for this, to give evidence about the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Truth, said Pilate, what's that? Pilate's question is the same question that N.T. Wright asked in our video. What is truth? On Wednesday afternoon of this week, my 12-year-old son and I went for a walk to Walgreens. Walgreens. The store is just half a mile away from our home. We've been in there hundreds of times, but we've never walked to Walgreens. It was the best part of my day. We went for some basic art supplies. Art is one of the classes that my son is now taking online in my home, and I've learned very quickly that good art supplies matter. Notebook paper doesn't work very well for portraits. And ketchup, well, ketchup just doesn't paint as well as watercolors. Supplies matter. And this is an important quality of truth. Supplies matter. The source matters. You know, I'm finding that it's important to take in the right amount of news about coronavirus every day. I want enough information to be able to cope well, but I also reach a saturation point where more pandemic news is just too heavy, it's too much. And so the solution for me has been to find good sources of information. Now here's the thing, what I call a good source may be what you call a bad source, because truth, well, truth has to resonate Like beauty resonates, what rings true for me might not ring true for you. In our home, we've made a ritual into watching our mayor, the San Antonio Mayor Nuremberg, and Judge Wolf each evening. And I also want to hear from Dr. Fauci whenever he comes on the screen. Fauci pays attention to numbers and research, and I want to hear what he's observing. His truth is scientific. And any truth I hear from the mayor or Judge Wolf or the governor is political. It's about laws and decrees, boundaries, physical safety, and force. The kind of truth that N.T. Wright describes, the kind of truth that Jesus lived, is theological truth. It's what's true about God, what's true about humanity, and what's true about the relationship between us. John chapter 18, in one sense, is the clash of political and theological truth. It's the clash of political and theological power. It's Jesus before Pilate talking about kingship. Now, Pilate would be on the lookout for revolutionary leaders in Judea. That's his job, to keep the Roman peace. Pilate asks Jesus, are you a king? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, My kingdom is not sourced in this world. It's not the sort that grows from here, from a political headquarters. You see, political truth and theological truth are very different. Political truth in the first century and in some parts of the world today was obtained with force. My weapon against your weapon and the one who prevails, the one who overthrows, is given authority. Pilate was a junior-level Roman official in Judea. Between the years 26 and 36, he was probably a career politician or a Roman soldier who was given a province to oversee. While he probably hoped for a promotion, it never happened. He disappears from history when he's removed from office. The people that he governed found him to be arrogant and an offensive bully. The Jewish historian Josephus said Pilate was mean-spirited. He was a hard ruler who scorned his Jewish subjects. We get a sense of his distaste for the people of his territory when he says to Jesus, I am not a Jew, am I? He may very well have involved himself in this trial of Jesus as a means to humiliate the religious leadership, the Jewish leadership. Pilate sees before him a poor man from the wrong part of the country with a band of ragtag followers that have all run away. Of course he's not a king. But that's the rub. Throughout Lent, we've heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am the way, the gate, the good shepherd. But we've never heard him say, I am a king. Jesus is simply not about forced power, he has a territory, a kingdom, a wise order for our world. But it's not birthed in this world. It's never birthed from control or from force. It's not that kind of truth. Nadia Bowles-Weber tells a story about a pastoral care conversation that she had with a woman named Andy Andy began their time together over coffee with the words, I'm having a crisis of faith. I think I believe in Jesus. What do I do now? Bowles took an interesting tack, one that I never heard in seminary. She said, oh, I am so sorry. Jesus will hunt you down. I wish Jesus would leave me alone. Every time he finds me, I end up... Loving someone I don't like or giving my money away. That's the thing about Jesus. He's like no king or no lord the world has ever encountered. He gives away power and he calls his disciples to do the same. New Testament scholar Gail O'Day says about Jesus' trial before Pilate that it is a drama that is played out in seven scenes on two stages outside the governor's headquarters and inside the governor's headquarters. Jesus is inside and the religious leaders and their attendants are outside and Pilate, well, Pilate just scurries back and forth. Outside, inside, outside, inside, seven different scenes, and by the end of the drama, Pilate's nothing. Pilate has no stability and no authority as a judge. When he asks the question, what is truth, in the middle of the drama, it's nothing but irony because divine truth, the kind of truth that would be very valuable to Pilate, is standing right in front of him, and he doesn't see it. He doesn't get it. It just passes him by. It's hard to guess why. What's the source of Pilate's blind spot? Is it cynicism? Maybe. Certainty? Probably. Or fear? Now that's an interesting one. Fear seems to be waiting to jump out around every corner I take right now. It's the negative scenarios that get me. The what ifs. And every time my mind gets afraid and pursues a what if, the best catch that I have found is to reply with what is. What is true right now? What is certain right now? What is in front of me? What is there to be grateful for? And even when it's possible, because I believe it's a stretch to ask what is possible. And what is possible is the current theological truth. That's where we find our theological truth and what is possible On the other side of difficulty and distress and hardship and grief, there are new and good things. What is possible? Alexander John Shia taught me that in John's gospel, Jesus is confident. He's never silent or hesitant as he faces Pilate. He's unaffected by insult, questioning, or assault. We fix our eyes on him. What is truth? The truth of Jesus is bigger than we are able to control. It is not stopped by fear. Truth gives generously and sacrificially, and it always, ultimately, brings new life. Amen. It's important to me that as we shelter in place, we also shelter in peace. It's Communion Sunday, and we can't be together for the sacrament. So I want to invite Pastor Ryan to come up, and we are going to walk you through the practice of an agape feast. We will pray and remember some important truths of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Remember, we ask you to have a candle, a Bible, water, and a piece of bread. God is with us.
1: We are not alone.
0: Christ is with us.
1: The risen one has met us, blessed and fed us on the road that leads us home.
0: The community of the Holy Spirit is with us.
1: We gather with the communion of the saints in light throughout history and with God's people around the world.
0: With brothers and sisters absent in body but united in spirit, we pray, Holy One, Trinity of grace and power. Maker and mother, beloved and lover, father and friend, thanks be to you, O God.
1: You are ever the father who gives us bread, not stones. You are the mother who never forgets we're her own. From the beginning of life to the closing of time, you are the one who was with us to the end. And so with all who breathe on
0: earth and all who sing in heaven, we praise your name and we join Join creation song.
1: Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done and whom this world rejoices, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore.
0: In the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life.
1: You may light your candle. Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. You are our risen Lord in whom light has conquered darkness.
0: I invite you to sit silently in the light, feeling the power and presence of the risen Christ. In the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life.
1: Here in our hands is the story of God's covenant of steadfast love with his people. We are assured of God's presence with us at all times and places, even in the midst of fear and difficulty.
0: Sit quietly and absorb the stories of God's love and grace that can sustain you wherever you are. From the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart.
1: Without water, there can be no life. In creation, the Spirit of God hovered over the water and brought forth light. God brought John to the Jordan River to call us to repentance. We were nourished in the water of the womb. We were baptized by water and the Spirit into God's family. Water reminds us of all the gifts of creation that God has so abundantly given us and the love and grace that we have all received.
0: I invite you to drink the water slowly, feel it flow into your body, know that God's love is flowing into your body and into your soul right now. In the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty.
1: Christ broke bread and fed the multitudes. Christ broke bread and formed a new covenant with his closest friends and with all who break bread in remembrance of him. Christ was made known to his disciples in the breaking of the bread. Bread reminds us that just like individual grains of wheat that are gathered together to make a single loaf, we who are scattered are yet one body in Christ.
0: Remember the times that you have received bread in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Remember those who gathered with you. Remember the presence of Christ. Be assured that Christ is with you in every moment of your life. Sit and allow Christ's love to surround you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, light of the world, you speak to us words of life. Call forth in each of us rivers of living water and feed our deepest hunger. In trying times, in times of loneliness and confusion, in times we feel most alone, remind us that we are never alone. For you are with us always. Hear us now and pray for us in our weakness with sighs too deep for words as we lift up those whom we love those present with us and those from whom we are separated. We lift up the sick and the suffering and those who care for the sick, both medical caregivers and families who wait and watch with them. And we lift up those who mourn the loss of loved ones, the loss of freedom, the loss of security, the loss of a livelihood or the loss of a sense of order and control. And we lift up those whom we too easily forget, whose needs are known to you. God of compassion, hear our prayer. Fill us with your grace and inspire us to be instruments of mercy and hope. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.